Yo, 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 it's your boy, preacher boy. Yo, yo, it's your boy, Preacher Boy, and we are back with another episode of Chats with Preacher Boy. Y'all, I am super excited. Today, we have a special guest. Um, first of all, it's Friday. God allowed us to make it to another week. Praise be to God for that. Um, whether you had a good week, maybe you had a trying week, or, you know, a little, little tough situation pop up here and there. You made it to Friday, and we got to give God glory and honor for that. Uh, we're not going to delay the matter. We're going to hop right into this and open up with some prayer. So, most gracious Father God, we thank you for this day, a day that wasn't promised, but you saw fit to bless us with, dear God. Dear God, as we em embark on this evening, dear God, with this new episode, God, we ask that you allow it to be a blessing, not only to those that are participating, but those that are listening and watching, God. Allow them to be encouraged and allow something to resonate on their heart where they're able to apply it in any means necessary in their lives, God. God, if there's anything that can hinder this prayer, we ask that you remove it, God. Forgive us for anything that we may have done knowingly or unknowingly, dear God. And it's in your son Jesus' name that I pray. Amen and amen, y'all. We amen. are back, like I said, with another episode of Chats with Preacher Boy. And I am excited about it. As you can see, y'all, we have a special guest. His name. Matter of fact, I'm not even going to tell y'all his name. I'm going, to let, I'm going to let him introduce himself. But just to give a backdrop, I met him through a dear brother of mine, John Stevenson. Um, and we had, a, we had a phenomenal conversation. We started off talking about, like, astrology and some other things. And it, and, and it kind of went a little deeper than that. And, and ever since then, there was something special that I've seen in this young man. And, y'all, the stuff that I learned about him, first of all, I didn't know he was a pastor. So I was mind blown at that. This man is a counselor. Man, this man right here, tip top tier. Like this, he's a different breed right here. But without without further ado, I'm gonna let you go ahead and introduce yourself to the people. Tell them your name. Tell them what you do. Where you're from. Go ahead and tell tell them about yourself. All right, all right, all right. My name is Xavier Small. Um, I'm the counseling pastor at Rosedale Baptist Church in Baltimore, Maryland. Um, and with the ministry side, I also do. Uh, some therapy work also at, at a clinic in the city. So I'm a pastor and I'm also a therapist. So I get to double as that. Um, the ministry beforehand, um, I was a lead pastor in Orlando. Um, and then God had different plans and moved me up here. And so now I'm doing therapy full time. And so I'm excited to get into it. Awesome. Awesome. That's, that's, see, this, first of all, first of all, if you don't mind sharing, how old are you? I'm 31. 31, bro. What they say? Black don't crack. What? What? It's the bear, bro. The bear's keeping me young. Hey, that's what I'm talking about, man. Man, <laughs> y'all, this week we got a we got a we got a good good topic for sure. Um, those of you who've seen it on the, you can see the title on the live. It's hashtag church hurt. Um, but before we dive into this lesson, I need y'all to do me a favor. If you're tuned in on Facebook and you want to see the guest, y'all hop on the Instagram. My Instagram is at chats with preacher boy. Um, and then if you're on Instagram, I need you to share this live with at least one or two people. If you see, matter of fact, while I'm talking, I'm going to share this live out to people that I don't see on here. If you want somebody to be enriched 
and to learn something new, I feel like this is a great opportunity because we're going to hit some things, hit some nails on the head, and I feel like it's going to be a great conversation. Um, I feel like God is going to use this conversation to not only better us as the participants, but also those that are listening. So with that being said, I put a poll on my Instagram today with the question, is church hurt real? And the responses, I'm not going to lie to you, I'm, I'm not surprised at the responses that I got. I'm very much, uh, like I said, not surprised because I knew it was going to happen. Um, but 91% of the individuals that answered said, most definitely, church hurt is real. Only 9% said, eh, not really. So I'm going to ask you, my brother Xavier, what do you think is church? I'm going to start off with, is church hurt real? 100%. Okay. All right. 100%. Church hurt is real. Me personally, church hurt? I don't think church hurt per se is not real. Ooh, I don't think it's real. We're about to debate in here, huh? But that's just me personally, and we and we're gonna dig into it. But to share 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 with the people and let them know why you believe church hurt is a real thing. I guess I guess for me, it's gonna do. What really depends on is like knowing what your definition of church hurt is. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like knowing what your definition of church hurt is, and that's definitely gonna be able to help us differentiate between what maybe what people are thinking. Yeah, uh, my definition of church hurt. Um, is someone who has had some form of offense um, at a ministry that's been done by somebody in leadership, mm. right? And so um, that could be um, a pastor was mistreated by, you know, the people. Um, this could be that um, I've heard about, like, churches who, like, their deacons are, we call them pastor killers, you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? That they just really just like, Lord, they had that happen. People, assistant pastors really go through it. And then all the way down to the church, all the way down to the church side. Like I know about people who've been abused in church, uh, sexually abused in church. Uh, people wow. who have um, endured things in the house of God um, that would not be honoring and glorifying to God and has turned them toward not wanting to be in church um, anymore. Um, and no, I see somebody saying like leadership only, like not necessarily leadership only, but I mean, like, that's what I said at the end about just talking about like, so enduring pain at, in, the, in the house of God. It doesn't have to just be the church members. It could be a deacon. It could be a Sunday school teacher. It could be a, you know what I'm saying? It could just, it could be lay people also, you know what I'm saying? Um, but it's, it's most of the time, my experience with it has been somebody who has had some form of leadership. Um, in the church usually has a hand in that happening. I'm not saying that it can't happen on like the church member level, but mo a lot of the people that I've talked about was like, oh, the pastor did this, Sunday school teacher did this, deacon did this, deacon, pastor's wife did this. You know what I'm saying? This happened in the church, but the pastor didn't do anything. Mm -hmm. Like it varies, you know what I'm saying? There's different levels to it. And so we probably really will have to dissect it a little bit and talk about the different sects of each part of it. For sure. But I think, I think it's a tiered system on where the church hurt lies, that it's not just in one position. Okay, so. that's, and that's valid. I, I can agree with that um, because my, my concept and why I said I don't think it's a real thing is, is because cause I had a conversation today with a, a, a dear brother of mine, an amazing dude, amazing dude. I, j I just got to point that out. Um, but we were talking about it, and I told him, I said, I would take it a step further and saying why why I say it's not a real thing. 
Um, a lot of times I've seen just outside of the church aspect, this comparison when it came to men and women. When a woman was hurt by a man, she tends to make a generalized statement about all men. Okay. And she would say the comment, say, for, for example, uh, I was hurt by so-and-so, all men ain't S, like I see on, on my timeline sometimes, right? Or, mm -hmm. or guys would get on there and they're upset because of their relationship and they'd be like, man, every woman is the same. I swear, all these women, they don't, they don't nobody respect me. Don't nobody, you know, treat me like a man. You know what I'm saying? They generalize all individuals into one category. And so I, mm -hmm. I, the reason why I say it's not a real thing is because I don't think that everybody in the church hurts the individuals. I mm -hmm. think it's, it's certain individuals in the church that hurt people. Um, and the reason why I say that is because me personally, for the longest, I said church hurt was a real, real thing um, because of the simple fact of coming to church and stuff happening. Um, according, I'm sorry, according to this definition, I do believe church hurt is real. Okay, well, we're going to get into that. But um, just, just based on that generalized statement, I don't think everybody in the church hurts somebody. Um, for mm -hmm. me, for example, like, like I said, now, there's times when individuals in the church have hurt me. There's been things that have taken place in my life personally. Like when I was in high school, uh, best example, I felt that God was speaking to me at a very young age. Very, very, very young age. And I was shifted. I, I, will, I will admit, I was not firm in my foundation in Christ. And so when individuals would say, oh, no, that's not of God, when God would reveal things to me, um, I would shift. I would alter in my stance, and I'll start to second guess. Well, all right, God. Well, um, maybe, maybe I didn't hear you right. You know what I'm saying? Maybe, maybe I'm not right. And so, essentially, for the longest, I was blaming the church in its entirety, and I was blaming any anybody a part of church. I was blaming, and I was saying this is church hurt. When in fact, it wasn't everybody in the church. It was just select individuals that possibly offended me, that hurt me. And instead, I'm including them all together, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So what's, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I hear you. Um, I think a lot of times, like, it comes down to people feeling like I got hurt in the church, mm -hmm. not so much like the entire church offended me. Mm -hmm. All right, so for instance, let's kind of get into it a little bit. So I experienced church hurt in a, in a couple different ways. Uh, the first way I started experiencing church hurt is I grew up in the independent fundamental Baptist church, right? And so that's, that's that, you know what I'm saying, that really, like, conservative, conservative Baptist ranks. Mm -hmm. um, and because of that, um, because of just how it worked out, is that I ended up being, like, a black man in a lot of predominantly white spaces, right? And so there's a lot of times where, like, I got a lot of, like, indirect racist things said to me. Smile, Xavier, we can't see you. Mm. Um, Xavier, wow. like, especially getting into places, like, where I'm educated, folks would be like, Xavier doesn't even know he's black. Mm. He talks like he doesn't know he's black. You know what I'm saying? And so people are thinking like, oh, like, because you're a black man and you're educated, that means that you that you speak white. You know what I'm saying? White is a dialect now. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so some of those different things. Um, and then at the same point, there was a part like if I'm just being transparent, the last um, the last ministry that I came from, actually, I um, gave them really, um, I gave them like ample time. So I was the lead pastor at that ministry. And um, I left when I, when I resigned from that church, I resigned five months earlier 
And so I said that I'm going to resign five months and let y'all know at the end of the year, God is calling me on. And so I want to help you get ready. I want to help you find a new pastor. Mm -hmm. I want to help you do all those different things. Um, and, but in the meantime, they started like, uh, the, the deacons started like freezing me out. Uh, they started to like, uh, did it, then at the end, they wanted to have the church business meeting about the next plans after I left. And then I was able to kind of actually, somebody was recording it for me live so that I could see what was happening in the video, in the, um, in the meeting. And they were dragging me in real time. Like the leader was dragging me. He was like, oh, Xavier, in the meantime, like I got the secretary on the other line. You know what I'm saying? Saying like, hey, pull up this receipt, pull up these different things, pull up all of this stuff. Like I need you to have all these records ready because I stand 10 toes down on the Lord. Like I would never move in God's church weird. You know what I'm saying? And so, but they was, he was, they were, he was dragging me. And of course there are people in the church who were stepping up and they're like, nah, Pastor Xavier would never. And I was there when he did X, Y, and Z, you know what I'm saying? But that hurt me because I poured seven and a half years into that ministry. Yeah. Seven and a half years, you know what I'm saying? And I, although like, my faith is in Jesus, you know what I'm saying? My identity is in Jesus. And, you know, whether the man of God that's occupied the pulpit falls tomorrow, I'm going to be in church the next Sunday because it's not about a man, you know what I'm saying? It's about the Lord. Um, but that doesn't, and here's where I'm going to get a little therapeutic, right? It, that, doesn't, that doesn't change the fact that whatever kind of hurt you experienced wasn't real. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so um, I, th I think what ends up happening is that we have a responsibility to deal with the hurt properly yeah. But can people in the ministry hurt you? Yes, because we're we're fallible. Fact. You know what I'm saying? We're we're finite creatures. And because of that, I'm going to hurt people. At the ministry that I am at that I love to death, I love my church. Love my church. But because I'm a human being, I'm probably going to hurt somebody. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? And my intention, my ho my hope is that we would be able to uh to deal with it and and say, "Hey, like, you know, Pastor X, like you really hurt me through X, Y, and Z and see what we can do to reconcile. Uh, but there are some people who they have gone to their pastors. They have gone to their leaders. They have gone to the person that was just the lay person in the church that hurt them to go and seek, right? If, there's an, if something happens between you and a brother, scripture says you go between you and him and fix it. Mm -hmm. And I have seen people try that method and they get completely shut down and churches act like stuff never happened and that this offense didn't happen and mm -hmm. these things didn't go on. And I think, I think that's where the church hurt, where people are ready to like leave the gotcha. church and ultimately leave the faith. Even though I don't think that's the right response, I understanding people as human beings can understand why they would go to, go that far. It's because it's like this: the epitome of people who should love us in this world are probably our, our parents, right? Your mom and your dad should love yep. you. But even Scripture says in Psalm twenty seven ten that when my mother and my father forsake me, the Lord will take me up. Which fact. insinuates to us that when the people in this world who love you the most fail you, God will not. Uh-huh. You see what I'm saying? And so in that, we should be able to run to the Lord in that situation and not run away from the Lord, not step out of the church. Mm -hmm. Not even just the, I'm not talking about the building anymore. I'm talking about the body. Yeah. Right? And that's how we should, I think we should handle it. But we have to be able to make sure that we are navigating through people's emotions effectively as well. Because if somebody, and not every situation is like a molestation case or a statutory rape case or mm -hmm. something like that. Yep. But it's just like people get hurt. When you navigate, when you work with people, people get hurt. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And we got to make sure that as ministers and as people and brothers and sisters who are in the faith uh, with, our, with our brothers and sisters in the faith, that we have to make sure that we are attending to them um, oh. as well so that it doesn't get that far. I hope I didn't like over explain. No, no, no. So, so I have a question for you. A, a, okay. A, a short question for you. So would you say it's not 
the church in its entirety is individuals in the church that that do these things 100 percent. because the same people that are using my last church as an example even though there are people in that room who there are people in that room who are dragging me in that meeting um there are people who were standing up and was like nah pastor xavier would never and then there were people who just didn't say anything they knew me they knew my character and then didn't mm -hmm. defend me but it wasn't everybody you know what I'm saying? And it wasn't everybody. As a matter of fact, I had plans that I, not even I had plans. When I went back to Orlando uh -huh. late last year, I went back and I visited people in that church. I did. You know what I'm saying? Say, hey, like, it's good to see you. And I got together and we went, went to dinner and went to lunch with folks. And you know what I'm saying? Because like, not everybody hurt me. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? I don't, I don't have any disdain for the building, but there were people in that building who did hurt me. I you know what I'm saying? And so I think that's where sometimes we have to differ. Like you said, I think that's a great point is that we have to differentiate between my entire ministry failed me or, were there, or was there a couple people in here who did this thing? But that means that it's important to understand that church hurt doesn't mean necessarily that the entire church hurt me, but that I got hurt within the church, within they, the walls of the church. That, that, concept, that concept right there is spot on because of the simple fact that every, like you said, based, off, based on what you just explained, what you encountered, everybody didn't hurt you. But so, so essentially what church hurt has turned into is some people use it as a generalized statement to encompass everybody when in actuality, what we, what we know to be true is that individuals within the church have hurt individuals based on their experiences. So I first and foremost want to say, if you experience someone in the, in the ministry offend you and treat you ill or something traumatic happened in a ministry that you attended, I do not want to, I'm not downplaying that whatsoever. First mm -hmm. and foremost, that is not of God. That is not mm -hmm. embodying what we should show as an example. Because at first and foremost, the Bible says, love covers a multitude of faults. And we should be giving unconditional love because God gives us unconditional love day in and day out. Now, I will Amen. say this, we are not perfect. We are mm -hmm. far from perfect. We strive to be better each and every day. We're progressing people. But the thing about it, that goes back to we have to kill our flesh daily mm -hmm. in order to be yeah. great examples. I have a question from, from the, the media team behind the camera. What, what, what's your <laughs> question? Um, I just wanted you to answer the, que the question, but I think you, you pretty much answered it. Uh -huh. now, like, I know you were focusing so much on the definition of church hurt. For sure. I know he already explained what most people who already leave the church or uh -huh. love the church um, talk about You know, when it comes to like their church hurt. Mm -hmm. But do you think it's a valid... Because I know for me, a lot of people that I know in the church, they think just because you got hurt by one person or two people in the church and it wasn't the whole congregation, you should still stay in the you should still stay in the church and it's not a valid reason for you to leave the church. Now, what do you think about mm. that? Is it a valid reason for you to leave the church when it comes to church hurt? I know that um, he explained how he resigned and stuff mm -hmm. like that. I do. Well, yeah. Answer your question. Yeah. Answer so, question. so I think I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I would say it not to leave church in all together like and just let church go and you no, know the congregation away. um that congregation now i feel like you if you've done what the bible has told you to do um and you brought that offense to your brother and it's, everything is still still remains the same i believe in that moment and correct me if i'm wrong bro um i believe in that moment it's time that you ask the lord to help you find another ministry because if they're not uh, aligning themselves with biblical principles and moving how god wants us to move because at the end of the day when we take off our fault or an offense to our brother 
um, we should be gaining our brother back once once we fix that issue. I should be gaining my brother back, not losing them. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like that that is, if you have done what God has told you to do, that is a valid reason for you to seek another congregation because that may not be the ministry where you should be. What you got to say to that, bro? Yeah, um, well, I, I want to also clarify that I had already resigned by the time this happened. It was not the reason I resigned. Mm. God was just, God was already calling me on. I had gotcha. already announced my resignation to the church. So I did not leave because that happened. That happened after I, um, that, that, that happened after I, I left. Mm -hmm. um, to the question to um, the person that was asking um, that question is, I really think it's going to be case by case. I really think it's going to be case by case um, because I know I see somebody in the comments. Um, my brother uh, Zion has been asking about like church hurt and, and toxic church culture. Um, and I think it's important to recognize that if the local assembly that I am called to in the moment is where I'm at, then I have a responsibility in trying to facilitate healthy church culture within that place. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's going to be. And by the way, that happened. That happened after I left. The dust didn't just settle. Like, people were fighting, like, hey, the way that we handled this was anti-biblical. Like, we didn't do this right. We have to change the way this happened. So there were people that after I left that was like, nah, we can't, like, we're going to come to you and tell you about how this was wrong and how, how you're handling a lot of the different things are wrong, mm -hmm. right? And so I think that the church, a lot of the members in the church biblically handled that was like, hey, I'm because it can be easy to just be like, nah, I'm going to slide. But then somebody else is going to come in later and get hurt. Who's going to step up and say, hey, that's not right? Yeah, that's not right. We got to fix that. So I think that it's case by case and that because the body of Christ is more than just the building um, of that, I, that I was in and that we're in in our local assemblies. I believe that if you move from that local assembly to another local assembly, I don't think that's like antithetical to, to what God wants us to do. Like if you are having a very difficult time uh, getting past that, there's going to be times because listen to me. If I'm being transparent, I was three months out of that place and I could still feel bitterness raising up in my heart. Wow. And I remember going to my pastor of the church that I had moved to. And I said, I am really having a hard time. Like, I cannot believe I have given so much of my heart and of my life to that ministry. And they mm -hmm. treated me that way. And so I was battling that church hurt. And um, I couldn't. And even to the point where, like, I felt myself beginning to, like, kind of prey on their downfall. Like, OK, you're going to see what happens. Like. And, and I was carrying a lot, my wife and I were carrying a lot of that ministry. Mm -hmm. We're carrying a lot of that ministry. And I was like, y'all gonna see that, y'all gonna see that it's gonna take all six of y'all deacons to do what we were doing. You <laughs> know what I'm saying? And, 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 and I had, the Lord was really like, Xavier, I brought you to a place where you can pursue healing. Why are you, why are you doing that? Wow. You know what I'm saying? It, it's important for us to recognize that the ultimate, yeah, I had a wound, but it was between me and the Lord to address that wound. And so if somebody is in the church is like, wow, like that's really toxic. I can't believe that happened. It's important for the, uh, the church members who are like, okay, I'm going to stay to say, uh, 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 we ain't going to let that go. You know what I'm saying? And we're going to go because even though it's the man of God, people think that, oh, because it's the pastor, like I can't, you know what I'm saying? The Bible says when David went to go and he could have killed Saul and his mighty man of valor was like, hey, you could wipe him out right now. What do you say? I know better than to touch the Lord's anointed. Come on. Who's the, Lord anoint who's the Lord's anointed? That man that was talking trash about me in the church. That man that was dragging me in front of the congregation is the Lord's anointed. You know what I'm saying? And so Nebuchadnezzar was the Lord's anointed. You know what I'm saying? You don't got to be doing things right to be the Lord's anointed because the God's going to use who God's going to use. Mm -hmm. But that, I, and I say that because that does not make the pastor untouchable. 
You better know that even at the current place that I'm at, if there's something and there have been times in the current ministry that I'm at that maybe things have happened and I went to my pastor and said, pastor, like, I don't think this is right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> or I don't know. I don't like the way this is going. Can we, can we talk about these different things? And we've had those conversations. And it's important for the church members to realize that just because God has elevated a man to, a, to lead the flock, that over, over that flock that God has, that, that does not make him untouchable. Come on. You know what I'm saying? Because God is removing people who's doing the wrong thing. You know what I'm saying? Right. And so I think if you want to leave, it does not, it's not a bad mark on your spiritual record. You know what I'm saying? To say, you know what? This is the end of my line. I'm going to have to, because long term, it's going to hurt me and how I view the church. Maybe yeah. it's time for me to go ahead and go. But for the people who are strong enough to be able to say like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stay and I want to stay because my church, and that doesn't mean that the church is unimportant to you if you leave. But yep. they're like, hey, it's, I, I still have enough in my reserve that I can max out by trying to fight this before I go. Like, I'm not going to go down without making sure this is fixed mm -hmm. and corrected. And so I think when churches just step back and they're like, ah, oh, well, that happened, but whatever. And my man Zion had said that churches do cover up stuff. And I agree. And it's awful when that happens. But we as church members, we as the sheep, have to make sure that we understand that you can check the shepherd. That you can check the shepherd. And that, that doesn't mean be divisive. That doesn't mean backbite. That doesn't mean anything. That means biblically, book of Matthew, go to your brother. And if he's not receiving it, you bring him, you bring a witness with you to do it. And if he's right. not doing that, you bring it before the church. Like you handle it by the biblical model. Right. And church discipline applies to the pastor. And you, bro, you know what's you know what's crazy? A lot of people, two things. A lot of people, first and foremost, a lot of people don't go through all the steps. They stop mm -hmm. at number one and they're like, well, they stop at number two. After they get that, that, that one witness, they stop there. They're like, nah. Because yeah. they don't want to bring this this incident to the to the to the public for two yeah. reasons. Number one, they're not as bold. Or number two, there there may be a little fault on on them as well that might get exposed. There's some things in them that might also get exposed in that manner. And then another mm. thing, the second thing I want to point out is that this today and age, I feel like society is teaching a throw in the towel quick mentality. Mm. Um, as soon as an obstacle arises, as soon as a challenge comes up, instead of addressing that challenge or that or that obstacle or that problem, turning away is the, the, the best resort. That's the, the, the quickest and the easiest. And I, I was always taught and I was always uh, explained that a shortcut is just a rush to failure. Because mm -hmm. eventually, okay. this problem without addressing it, you're going to face the same problem again until mm -hmm. you actually address it. Yeah. And, and the, I, I was talking with an individual, I want to say about a couple weeks ago, and I said, when it comes to our jobs, I've seen people in their jobs get treated so poorly so poorly i'm talking like ridiculed embarrassed and they still get up and go to work the next day and the job the job majority of the time isn't even paying that great but they get up and go the next day when i was in the clubs and i was and i was living a, a hellish life fights breaking out problems breaking out at the club that didn't stop me from going to that club i mm -hmm. i found a reason to continue to go. I kept finding a reason to continue to go. What I've noticed in ministry is when something happened, I, and I speak from personal experience, when something happened to me, I would find every reason to not go to church because in reality, outside of what was, what was going on, 
I, I wanted a reason where I didn't have to go anymore, where I didn't want to hear truth, where I didn't want, where I didn't feel convicted anymore, where I, where I didn't, you know what I'm saying? Where I didn't feel as if I was being challenged. I was looking for a scapegoat. And so what I used, what I personally used in that moment was, well, this happened to me. This, this person offended me. So I'm, I'm finna skedaddle. Mm -hmm. What, what, what's your, we got a question behind, behind the camera. Okay. What's, what's I, going on? Okay. I feel like, for me, uh -huh. one thing, because we are in a military, we, we are in Fort Hood, yeah. and it's military community, and so I see a lot of people on the spouses page, mm -hmm. they talk about, does anybody know about LGBTQ friendly church? Not necessarily will they mm -hmm. accept them, but they'll show love, because what are we called to do? To love everybody. So mm -hmm. so what if you're not, what if you're not getting the love that you, that, that God, that God wants you to show others? So if you're, obviously everyone has sinned, right? Tough. So if like I, if I'm openly gay and uh -huh. I go to church mm -hmm. and then people are judging me and people are not showing me, um, they're, not, they're not being kind to me, they're not loving me because of who I am, uh -huh. what I've done, when they're liars, they're backstabbers, uh -huh. they're, they're stealing, they're thieves, they're all these stuff. Okay. Is it okay for you in that instance to leave the church? Because nobody is showing you love. Because one thing is someone being upset and you facing a problem, yep. you know. For but sure. another thing is love. Especially for the LGBTQ plus community. Okay, so I'll, I'll say this. I'll, I'll kick that one off. Um, and this is to address a lot of the churches. First and foremost, if someone, not even just in the LGBTQ plus community, if someone is, is, is dealing with any sin, whether it be fornication, whether it be stealing, adultery, whatever the case Wait, may I, be. I say that one because that's the one that people... That's the one that's common, commonly uh, addressed today. No, I, I hate, hate. Hate it, okay, hate it. Gotcha, gotcha. I, I, say, I say this to say anybody that's dealing with a sin issue, first and foremost, that, if they're coming to the house of God, they obviously seek something internally that there's, there's something pressing their heart where they're like, I just, I don't know what it is but I, I just need to, I feel like I need to go to church. So if that happens, I said something about a couple of months ago. We as believers need to stop sharing bad news before we get the good news. <laughs> a lot of giving unbelievers bad news, telling them they're hell bound before they even heard the good news. I'm telling you about hell and you don't even know about your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross so that you can have another chance at eternal life and be in heaven with them. I'm telling you, you hell bound and you haven't even heard about that. Mm -hmm. As believers, instead of the first approach saying fire and brimstone to the unbeliever, because first and foremost, they majority of the time, they probably know that they're living in sin. They, the majority of the time, they're, they're going to know. They probably already know that in themselves. But if they don't know about the good news, how do you expect to bring them into the fold? Because once they, now, check this out. When, once they accept the good news, now it's okay, boom, check it out. Now that you've accepted it, let me, let, me tell you, let me tell you the bad news. If you continue in this lifestyle, this is what, what's going to happen. But the thing is, we flip-flop it. We say, hey, you're going to hell. But I know, I know a man that died for your sins. And they like, well, I don't want to hear that. You already told me I'm going to hell. <laughs> what you got on that, bro? All right. I got, so a couple of things. Number one, I got a message to the pastors. All right. I got a message to the pastors. All the pastors that's going to see this later, I got a message for you. Mm -hmm. 
It is already in your church. If your church is a living, breathing body of God, then everyone in your church should not have their King James Bible, should not have their Sunday best, their Stacey Adams shoes on, and they should not know every hymn and every praise and worship song. If everyone, I said this on Facebook the other day, if everyone looks like you, acts like you, and is perfect, just like you are, then if someone's either lying or you're standing in a corpse, right? You're either lying, they're either lying or you're standing in the corpse. Number two, my experience, I've been in ministry, over, uh, been in ministry as a whole 10 years, right? Mm -hmm. It's important to recognize that it is already in that place. If it's a regular, because if the church is operating how it should, then you should have people who are struggling with sin. You should have broken marriages. You should have people struggling with their sexuality. You should have all of those different things because that's what it's supposed to be doing. That's what it's supposed to be doing, right? And so then on the flip side of that, and here's the truth. I'm going to tell you this. I used to be incredibly homophobic, incredibly, like, couldn't sit by anybody. And I went to a singles conference when I was 21, so that was 10 years ago. I went to a singles conference. And the pastor told me about a woman that he knew that was an openly um, homosexual woman. And... He said that he was inclined to just be like, eh. and he said the Holy Spirit told him that the same grace that saved you is the same grace that's going to save her. Wow. And then he was talking about how Paul said, and he was taught, right, Paul's preaching to the people. And he was like, and at this statement that I love that Paul said, he said, and such were some of you. Such were some of you who were dead in trespasses and sins. Some were, such were some of you. You think because you saved and sanctified now that you didn't have a past? Come on. You know what I'm saying? God had to pull you out of the miry clay, too. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's important, and I'm going to get back to, um, to the sister's question in a second, like directly, um, but it's important to recognize that the greatest, and I was talking about this in our staff Bible study yesterday, is that the greatest commandment is not the great commission. The great commission is to go out into the highways and hedges and, and to, um, and to uh, get everyone to come to my house, to go out and preach the gospel to every creature, right? That's the great commission. Mm -hmm. That is not the greatest commandment. Wow. The greatest commandment is to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And the second is like unto the first that you will love your neighbor as yourself. Mm -hmm. And upon these two laws hang all the laws and the prophets. Wow. Right? And so we, here's the thing. You can't go out and preach the gospel and reach people for, 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 for Christ if you don't love them first. Right? And so I have a responsibility to the LGBTQ community to say, hey, where you're at right now is Come where on. Christ wants to meet you. Come on. Where you're at. Because here's the thing. I'm not the Holy Spirit. Come on. I'm not the Holy Spirit. I know if I know the Holy Spirit that indwells in me, that is sealed until the day of redemption, like Ephesians says, the Holy Spirit will work on their heart. Mm hmm. He will work on their heart. My job is to love and to preach the whole counsel of God and, my, and to go ahead and make sure they know that there's a God who sent his only begotten son to die on the cross for our sins because we preach John 3.16, but not 3.17. For Come God on. did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. Come on. Right? He didn't come to condemn. So Jesus knows you in sin. He knows you in sin. But here's what. The best place that you can be, an openly homosexual person, is in the house of God. Wow. With that being said, with that being said, if they, if, if someone came to me and said, Pastor X, here is where I am, and I know that the Bible says this, and this is where I'm at, but I feel so unloved at that church, I would say leave. Thank you. I would say leave. 
I would say, let's find you somewhere else that's going to, you know what I'm saying? Because it's not, a, it's not about, hear me, church, hear me. It's not about, it's not about condoning sin. Yep. That's not what it's about. Right. Because the scripture is very clear on it. Very clear. It's about the fact that what I just mentioned is the best place for them to be is in the house of God. And so I want the person to walk in here that is coming off the street, still dealing with drugs, still going through, still lying, still cheating, still doing all those different things, still, still robbing folks, still doing all those different things. I want you to be in the house of God. Come on. And I want you to come in here and I want you to say, I want you to come in here. And like you said, people are compelled. Come on. How can you come to Christ? It's because he draws you first. Come on. So they drew into the house of God. I'm like, oh, if they're here, then they're here for the Lord. Come sit with me. Come sit with me. Hey, I love you. Come back again. Hey, I love you. Here's my phone number. Hey, come back. You know what I'm saying? Let's get you disciple because here's what's going to happen. God is a transforming God. Come on. And as they, come, as, and as they seek to be holy as he is holy, God's going to work on their heart. That's not my job. That's not my job. So 100%, if they, come to the, if they say like, hey, I want to be in church, but I'm treated like this, I said, let's go find you somewhere else. Thanks. Because they're in sin. People think that sin is people think that sin is just like, you know what I'm saying, lying, stealing, you know, killing, adultery, all of those things. Scripture says to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. And so if I have so in a non-King James language, right? My IFB background, if you know what you're supposed to do and you don't do it, you are walking in sin. It's that, it's that serious. And so if the commandment is for you to love the Lord thy God and to love your neighbor and you're not loving your neighbor, you're in sin. And you need to repent. And most, So and if they walk into your church... Most of, us will, huh? most of us willfully do it too. And I, and if willfully. I think Paul said it, it, it. He said, though grace abound. Essentially, does that mean I, I should willfully sin? Right. God, God forbid. forbid. Yeah. Go ahead, bro. Continue. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. You, and that's right. Shall I continue in sin that grace may abound? No. Nah, God forbid. But that's not my job to police you in that in that category. Come on. You know what I'm saying? It's my job to, to draw you into a space that's like the only person that can bring you the healing that you can find is Jesus. Why the heck would I want you somewhere else? Come on. You know what I'm saying? So the pastor's got to shape up. The pastor's got to shape up because you forgot that he found you in trespasses and sin. Don't be acting like, like you've been, you know what I'm saying? It's that pious, like, you know what I'm saying, nature, that toxicity that comes sometimes with pastors who are honestly sometimes are full of themselves and not full of the spirit. You know what I'm saying? That's because a- any good pastor that I know, any good pastor that I know, I'll give you an example. Uh-huh. When I was a youth pastor, I had two girls in my youth department who, I'm not stupid, I can tell that they were flirting and they would, you know what I'm saying? People mess around, but that, I can tell that there was something going on right there. Uh-huh. And so I was like, okay. Okay, so I pulled one of the girls into my office because she went to our Christian school. And I said, you don't got to tell me nothing because I'm not dumb. Right? And I was like, what I'm going to tell you is like I'm going to tell anybody else is that y'all can't be doing all that. You can't be doing all that. You can't be doing all that. Keep your hands to yourself. You know what I'm saying? She said, okay, Pastor X. Then after that, I walked right into my pastor's office and I said, such and such is battling with this lifestyle. You know what he said to me? Okay. Okay. I said, okay, pastor. And I also, we are not kicking them out of the youth department. He's like, why would we do that? There are still good. There are still, and, and guess what? The second girl in that thing got saved. Huh? Come on. Got saved. Call me one day and said, pastor X, I think I'm ready to get saved. Come on. And I discipled oh, her personally. Come on. That's what I'm talking Come about. Come on. 
That's what it's about. I'm getting emotional. I'm getting emotional because people we don't give people a chance to get reached. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Like like we like we discount we discount people early. You know what I'm saying? And if we had and if we had let that girl go, God knows where she's been. And I don't know where she's at now, but I do know that she had a she had a face-to-face meet with the Savior. And yes, we did give put her to discipleship. But now she has a Holy Spirit of God that indwells her as a believer who was going to guide her and teach her in all things. That's his job, not mine. We got a God complex. We gotta chill. We and, gotta chill because that's not okay. And and you know, you know what's crazy what's crazy, uh a while a while back, God gave me this this word called and he, he labeled it the unfair trial. And Jesus is a bad man, y'all. I, I swear, I love Jesus. <laughs> I love Jesus so much, bro. The yes. Pharisees, they caught this woman in adultery. Just to give everybody a backdrop that, that may not know, you can you can check it, check it out. It's in John 8, 1 through 11. They caught this woman in adultery. Literally, they caught her in the act, and they was like, she needs to be stoned. And while they saying all this stuff, all Jesus is doing, he knelt down, he started writing in the sand. He don't even say nothing. He just right in the sand. <laughs> and he looks and he says, he without sin cast the first stone. And see, many theologians, they, they, they have speculated to say what Jesus was writing in the sand was their sins. Yeah, I've heard that. Sins that, that, that they have done or that they're still doing. And so when all of them dispersed after he made that comment, he without sin cast the first stone, he was like, Hey, where the people that that wanted to stone you? Where they at? Mm-hmm. I can I can see her to this day. I don't know where they went. They <laughs> was just here. They was they rocks in hand, ready to ready to <laughs> ready ready to go. And he all he told her, all he told her is go and sin no more. Mm-hmm. And from that day on, I just know she was running with such a zeal, such a fire. Because of the simple fact, one, he didn't con- no, he didn't condemn her. He just told her go and sin no more, and she changed. Boom, changed. But the thing is, what we do as a people, instead of giving that unconditional love, we're giving unfair trials and counting people out. Yet we're forgetting mm. that God gave us when we kept going back on our word, when we kept going back on our promises, when we kept turning back to the same cigarettes, the same alcohol, the same women, the same men, the same problems that we were were doing in the dark that we're not telling the congregation, the same stuff that we're hiding. And and what I don't get is that if God gave you grace and he gives you, who are you not to give that to somebody else? How are you counting them out when they lose hope when the day they close their eyes for the last time. Yeah. All hope is not lost until the day you mm-hmm. close your eyes one more time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That means you are still redeemable. That means mm-hmm. Jesus can still change you. So I don't mm-hmm. I don't know who who may have told you otherwise. Whoever's watching, I don't know who told you otherwise, but you your your end's not here. If you still got breath in your body, you still have a chance. Just yep. because you made mistakes, whatever happened today, yesterday, a month ago, a year ago, whatever happened, you are still redeemable. Mm-hmm. Just because they gave you an unfair trial, just know mm-hmm. the, the real trial, the one that actually counts, is not in our hands. So yeah. don't worry, don't worry about what man say. Cause cause yeah. he without sin cast the first stone. And I show he cast no stone at you. Right.
What you what you got in the, the, um, behind the camera? What you got? To go back to the topic. Uh -huh. um, so a couple questions for y'all. When was the last time that you've come across mm -hmm. someone who has told you that they experienced church hurt? Mm -hmm. Two. What do what do you say to them? And then three. What if they respond with, "I still believe. I just don't want to attend church." Mm -hmm. I can, I, can I jump in first. I'll let you go first, bro. All right. All right. So um, so you said. When's the last time someone has come to me said that was that they had some church hurt? Yeah. What do we do? And what is their what do we say if they're like um, that they're not ready to go to church? Is that is that right? The, um, that they they still believe, but they just prefer not to go to church. Okay, you know, great. Like, All right, so here that they study and they do their studying at home and stuff, but they're not gonna step foot in, in a church. All right, here we go. Whew. All right. I'm going to answer them in order. So the first thing is that the last time someone came to me and said they had church hurt, I validated their feeling. I validated their feeling. Here's the thing. Therapeutically, whether someone is right or someone is wrong in, how they, in, in, in their emotional approach, it's still their feelings. It's still their feelings. I'm sorry that that hurt you. I'm sorry you got hurt in the process in these things, and that should not have happened. And I am sorry. I am sorry that that has happened to you. And I validated their feelings, right? I validated their feelings because number one, if I invalidate their feelings, they're not gonna hear me anyway. Mm -hmm. They're not gonna hear me. You know what I'm saying? So I validated their feelings. Um, and we had a discussion about what happened and we talked about like what some approaches that can be taken um, to do that. For someone who is like, I still believe in God, but I'm struggling with going to church. Here's this, the word, Bible, the word church is the Greek word ekklesia, right? which means a called out assembly. Uh -huh. The church is not a building, it's a body. So here's what I would tell them. If you're struggling, now, now hear me. I believe in the organized church. I believe in the organized church. I believe that there's a structure that it brings that helps us. Because here's what I'm gonna say, because with that, with that I'm gonna caveat to this, is whenever, the Bible says that when two or three are gathered that he's right there in the midst. Uh -huh. You do not have to be in a physical building to be having church, mm -hmm. right? So I would say if you're having a difficult time and you really just can't muscle up the power to step back in there, you need to surround yourself with believers still. Yes, be in your word. Yes, listen to praise and worship, but you need believers around you. Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpen the countenance of his friends. Come on. You, need to be in the, you need to be in the company of believers. In a multitude of counselors, there is safety. Right? There's a lot of those different things. So you need to surround yourself. You need to get you two or three men or women that you can connect with regularly, that you are having that communion with because the church of God, according to Ephesians, is like there is the body, right? And the places where they had the physical location, but it's not just a building, it's a body, it's a bride, right? It's a trichotomy. And so understanding that you have to make sure that you are still connected to not just the source, but that you're connected to the people. Uh -huh. Right, the people that we are engrafted into the vine with mentors that's going to sharpen you that's going to help challenge your thinking that's going to help you to heal that's going to help you to work through the things that you're that you're uh that you're navigating through and so i would tell them if you're not ready okay because forcing them and saying hey get in the church right now is they're not no because we're human we're not going to respond to that yep. i would say get you connected with some get you connected with some seasoned not your boy that's a, that's agreeing with you on everything <laughs> get you somebody who's seasoned <laughs> Yeah. Get you a vet, right? That's gonna be objective mm -hmm. in your faith. Paul, I'm talking, I'm talking Paul and Timothy, 
Yeah. Right? I'm talking Eunice and Lois, right? I'm talking, you know what I'm saying? I'm talking making sure that you are connected with people, the, the younger with the older, the younger with the older. Yeah. Get connected with, the, with somebody who's going to help you to, to help you feed your spirit, remind you of how to feed your spirit, right? And here's the thing, to support that, back in the Old Testament, after Elijah finished with the 400 prophets of Baal and he was going through that depression spell and went to the wilderness, God dispatched an angel to go get him up, right? Mm -hmm. Arise and eat. Mm -hmm. Arise and eat for your journey is too great. Arise and eat. He woke him up two times and fed him. Come on. Get up and eat. We got we to gotta be willing to dispatch believers and say, hey, they're, they're in pain. Go get them. Hey, she's in pain. Go get them. Hey, they're not in church right now, but we're in discipleship. I'm keeping up. I'm praying with them. I'm walking with them. I'm doing life with that person. And that, hey, we, we haven't lost our touch on, on the believer. We're not going to let them backslide to a place where they walk away from their faith. We're not going to let that. All right, you don't want to come back? Let's meet together. Let's meet at Starbucks. I'll buy you a coffee. We'll pour over the word of God. Wow. You know what I'm saying? That's what I would, that's, and not only what I would do, it's what I've done. Wow. It's what I've done. Like, I know believers right now who are in that place, and guess what? Got back in church eventually. Yeah. Got back in church eventually. You know what I'm saying? And guess what? Guess what got him there? It wasn't pastors preaching to him. It was connectivity and people in the faith who are consistently pouring in that did not burn the bridge. Because as believers, we do that crap. Like, we burn the bridges with people who are not walking the way that we want them to walk. And it's like, nah, how are they going to come back? How are they going to come back? When the prodigal son came back, his dad was like, yeah, kill all that rah-rah. Come over here. Let me give you a hug. Give him the fatty, say the fatty calf. Give him a robe. Give him a ring. It's the party. We, we celebrate that. Come on back in. Uh -huh. We've been waiting on you. Glad you're back. Come on home. You know what I'm saying? But in the meantime, let's go out and get them. Let's go out and get them and be where they're at. And then in time, right, like Nicole's saying, small group, community, is how you bridge that gap until they're ready to step back into the organized space. That's, okay. That's my position. Hey, that's bro. That's spot on. We had a uh, we had a brother for months in our, in our church that wasn't that wasn't coming, and uh, I felt I felt I felt the Holy Spirit tell tell me to tell my pastor, hey, like I think we should I think we should go over there. I think we should we should we should stop by. Uh, they're not answering calls. They you know they're not texting or nothing. I felt like we should go over there, and we went over there. We had a long conversation with him, and in that moment, you can see how everything began to shift. Like there was an immediate shift because it was like, whoa, hold on, you just pulled up on me. Oh, mm -hmm. you really, you really care about me. Cause majority of the time, the individuals that that desire change, that desire something to happen, they still there's a little bit in them that wants that accountability. Now there's mm -hmm. a difference between those individuals and then the individuals that completely just cut it off and like, now nah, I'm done with this. I don't want nothing to do with Jesus. There's there's a huge difference. But the individuals that have that little that little bit of confidence in them that they're like, ah, I kind of want this, but it's like a, I'm stuck between a rock and a hard place. And yeah. when, when we went over there and we began to speak with him, he was just like, yeah, I, I, I know. I've been, I've been in this place. I've been dealing with this. I've been dealing with that. And it seems like, you know, I, honestly, I wanted to throw in a towel. And then the fact that y'all are here, the fact that, that, that we're talking right now, like, I know I've been messing up. And they just begin to yeah. pour out all their flaw flaws. And we're just like, we're here for you. At the end yeah. of the day, we, we men. We make mistakes. Right. All right, now that you made this mistake, it's time to get up. We're right. here to pick you up. Your leg's not strong enough? That's cool. Wrap one arm around me. Wrap one arm around him. Let's stand up together. Because when right. you're weak, I got to be strong for my brother. I got to be able to right. pick you up. Because if, if I'm having a rough day and I... 
I ain't got no no men to to lean on, no no fellow believers to lean on. We 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 supposed to be doing this thing called life together. We weren't designed right. to live life by ourselves, whether right. it be in marriage, whether it be with friendships, uh, any any relationship. We were designed to do this collectively, but right. a lot of times we do this by ourselves, and then we're wondering why we're not prospering. We're wondering why we're always wanting to throw in the towel. Like you said, iron sharpens iron, so shall a man sharpen the countenance of his friend. Right. We're in this together. Right. So you, I think you hit it right. I, I think you hit the nail on the head. Like, bro, we we need that small group. We need that community. We need all that. Because without yeah. it, we're not going to be able to grow. Right. Absolutely. 100%. What you about to say? Oh, that's me? No, I'm good. I think that was spot on. I love that. I loved every bit of that. But yeah, man, I, I, I think I thank God for this opportunity. I will say that. Um, you shoot, you you explained some things to me that I, I, I really wasn't aware of. You know what I'm saying? That I feel like it's gonna help me along the rest of my journey. And and that's what it's all about. At the end of the day, sheep beget sheep. Yep. We are in this for the long haul. Like I I'm appreciative for all the, the questions that we receive. I appreciate all the the, the viewers. Um, before we go, I'm gonna ask I'm gonna ask a favor of you because I feel like I feel like this needs to be done. Um, I want you to pray for the individuals. If you don't mind, close us out in prayer and pray for the individuals that are dealing with church hurt. That someone in ministry has offended them, and they may be unbelievers. They may be believers, and they don't know how to deal with it. Even though we know what the word says. But the enemy is messing with their mind to make them believe they don't know how to deal with this. They don't. They need to just stay away. I, I want you to pray for those individuals that are out there, the ones that have turned, turned anything that has to do with church, Jesus, God, any anything that has they turn, they turn their cheek. They was like, Nah, I don't want nothing to do with this no more. Pray, pray for those individuals for me, my brother. Absolutely, let's do it. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Our gracious and heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and for your son and for the finished work on the cross. God, I'm thinking of the words I heard in a podcast this week that said, if you pray and ask God if he loves you and you hear the word no, that something else is in the room because that's not God's character. God, I thank you so much that you're consistent. I thank you so much that, that when I was unlovable, you loved me. That when I was unredeemable, that you redeemed me. I'm thankful that your mercies are renewed every morning. I'm so thankful that your grace is sufficient. I'm so thankful that when other people gave up on me, God, you did not. That you still love me even on those days when just like that dog returns to his vomit and I return to my sin, that you still are unwavering. Thank you so much for being you, for being Jehovah Rapha, a God who heals. Hallelujah. For being Jehovah Jireh, a God who provides, for being Jehovah Shalom, a God who provides peace, for, oh my gosh, for being a strong tower, for being a, a mighty fortress, Lord, for being the, the, the wings that I can find shelter and rejoicing, for being the rock that I can run to when I am overwhelmed. Thank you so much for being who you are. God, I don't believe in coincidences Hallelujah. and that we came together to do this episode because someone needed to hear it. Because someone is going to be able to share this with someone who needed to hear it. God, I pray that you would reach them where they're at. I pray that you would make yourself aware to them. 
that you would make yourself alive to them. Your word says that you, that behold, you stand at the door and knock and that if anyone opens the door, you will come in and you will sup with them and they will be to you a people and you will be to them a God. And I pray that that would be the story that you would help them to remember that, hey, in those moments when they've been forsaking, that you will take them up. God, that you love them unconditionally. God, that you love them where they're at. That you love them where they're at, Lord. And that the church would do a better job of not just preaching hell, Lord, but that you're, you preach on love, exp your love, exponentially more than you preach on hell. Because you get power over it. You, war you wage war and victory over it, Lord. We read the back of the book and you've defeated death and hell and the grave already. It should not be a point of emphasis. Yes, oh. it's important to be aware of, but I'm not saved because I, I fear an eternal hell. I, I'm saved because God sent his son to die for my sins and rise again. That that would be the message that we preach to people that, hey, yeah, I know where you're at, but God loves you. And that we would be able to preach a, 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 a correct doctrine to realize that before people even committed a sin or decided to do something wrong, or in, in our case, Lord, talking about people who are uh, given over to the LGBTQ community, that before they even decided their sexuality, that we were in sin anyway. Your word says, behold, I was shaped in iniquity and in sin and my mother conceived me. I didn't have to do anything to be considered a sinner. Adam did that for me. Hallelujah. And that's why you didn't come to condemn because your word says we are condemned already. You came to save. And that that will be the message and that your Holy Spirit, which seals us into the day of redemption, as Ephesians 2, 8 says, that we would rest in him and allow him. So, Lord, I'm asking that your spirit, that you would dispatch your spirit to the hurting, to the broken, to the outcast, to the person who's experiencing church hurt right now. Mm -hmm. to the person who's struggling with being around believers right now, to the person who's hanging on by a thread in their walk right now, and that you would wrap your heavenly arms around them and let them know that they are loved beyond measure. Your word says you will never leave and that you will never forsake. And that you meant that. It was not a suggestion. It was not a maybe. It was, there was nothing contingent upon that, Lord, that that is a, a promise and that a, a covenant that you made without our doing. And that because you're a God who changes not, that you meant what you said and you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that when people are hurt by individuals in the church, that they would remember that we are, even though that those are valid and those feelings are valid, that they can run to you who will never hurt, who will never abandon, who will never tell them they're not welcome, who will always create room at the foot of a cross for them, Lord. Father, we ask for supernatural healing on the person who is in a broken state right now. We ask for supernatural healing on a church that is not operating the way that it should be and loving its neighbor the way that it should be. We ask for healing. We ask for forgiveness. We ask for restoration, God, that only you can provide. I believe that you're a restorative God. I'm thinking about, Lord, when, in the book of Acts, when, when the disciples came to you and said, hey, are you going to restore Israel? And your response to them was that it's none of their business, number one. But number two, that they weren't going to just restore Israel, but they would go out into Judah and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the world. That you're a God who builds out. And that they would remember that you have called them, just like you told Elijah when he was out there in that wilderness. That the journey is still great. And that if they are still living and that they are still breathing, that you have a purpose for them, that you have a will for them, that you have a desire to see your will exercised in them, that you have, a, you have equipped them unto great things. And that this, this stumbling block, this roadblock, the, the backbiting, the way that they've been cast down, the, the backs being turned on them is not the end of their story. 
We ask for supernatural healing that only you can provide for everyone who's hurting, for everyone who's in a dark place. God, and that the church would be receptive, the body, not the building, the body would be receptive and that you would dispatch us to go and reach people where they are because discipleship is about doing life with people and that we would go out there and meet them where they're at and compel them to come into your house, your spiritual house, and that the local assembly will step it up, that we can stop being so pious and start being honest and stop hiding in our sin and our flesh and start walking and abiding in the spirit and be your church. I pray that that would be who we are, that we would be Christians, Christ ones, ones who are like Christ, little Christs. And I'm thinking about that old, that old cliche saying, which was, what would Jesus do? Is that he would love first. He would love first. And just as you reached out to that woman at the well, you reach out to every single individual who was in a place that they had no idea that that's where they would be, but that you heal anyway. You redeem anyway. And that that would be the crux of their story. So God, we're going to thank you in advance for all the great things that you are going to do, not just with this episode, but with your people and with those who are hurting and are in a dark place. We thank you in advance for what you're going to do. And we're going to give you all the honor and glory for it all. In Jesus' name we pray and we're thankful. Amen. 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 Yo, my brother, I appreciate you. I thank you. Yo, this was amazing. Y'all, I pray that y'all have a blessed weekend. I pray that you reflect over this week and look at the areas that you were probably um, struggling in or uh, where you messed up and see how you can do better on next week. I pray that y'all continue to be blessed. X, I appreciate you, man. You have a blessed weekend, man. We, this is, I feel like we got more to come. I feel like we got more to come for sure. Before y'all go, before y'all go, um, if you have questions, y'all want to connect, y'all want to rap, you know what I'm saying? I drop my socials right there. After you connect with me, we can exchange numbers and we can get connected. You know what I'm saying? You don't have to do life by yourself. Um, let's rap. And, um, and let's make sure that, you, that we stay connected. All right? Love y'all. Thank you so much, Brother Marcus. I love you, my friend. Thank you for having me on. Love you too, my boy. All right, y'all. Y'all see it. I pinned it in the comments. The episode will be up this weekend. It'll be posted. Y'all make sure y'all hit them up if y'all need anything. I love y'all. But like I always say, God loves you more. Yo, 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 it's your boy, preacher.